To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service, without all the drama. Hello, and welcome to Get Out of Rap, episode 61, with my good friend, Peter. Peter, Peter. Peter Dunn who is the um, EMEA Community Engagement um, Manager for BPA. I'm lucky enough that I get to talk to Pete every day, but now you guys are going to get to talk with Pete and listen to, to Pete. Hello, Peter. Yeah, you know I mean, uh, I'm not sure lucky uh, is the right word, but we do, yeah. We brighten up each other's days, that, don't we? That is true, yes. It's always, always good for a laugh. Now, we, we spun the wheel of topics because we, we could talk about anything and everything. Um, we want to steer clear of football at the moment, if that's all right. Um, and one of the things that we've both talked about in the past and is something you're passionate about, not quality, we'll save that for another episode, but as we co- we're coming to the end of Mental Health Awareness Week, um, why was this a topic that you wanted to talk about on the podcast? Uh, very expansive question, mate. But yeah, uh, as you mentioned there, uh, very passionate about it. Um, you know, I, I've I've suffered personally, uh, friends, family, not not more uh, step as well. Depression, anxiety is something that kind of runs in the family, and it just seems that. The pandemic, especially, has really kind of put pressure on everyone for different reasons, and and we're having a kind of a mental health crisis as a result. Um, so I thought it'd be a good spot to round off Mental Health Awareness Week with just a bit of discussion about it. Yeah, and you you were saying. Um something was it mind had said around mental health awareness that was really interesting absolutely yeah so awareness is fantastic but something i read on the mind website was almost uh, awareness isn't enough anymore we've, we've really got to be more proactive and almost fight for better awareness but better responses better understanding we've got to we've got to be more proactive uh, in how we support each other, how we kind of challenge the systems that support us. Um, so, you know, the, the NHS, as fantastic as it is, is seriously under-resourced in, in, in the mental health space. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, the, what you mentioned to me, uh, the, the story you've read, really, I think, illustrates that. Yeah, so that was... Um... I don't know where I, I don't know where I read I read it, but it was this week. So the aware, that the element of awareness and sharing, I think, is it's definitely working. It's kind of every other post, or it has been this week. I think it's an interesting point you raise about okay, it's more it's it's like the that we when we interpret data at work, right? It's, then you have the so what question, or what does that mean? What are we going to do? 
Um, but the, the story, um, and I hope I do it justice, was a, a guy, unfortunately, um, whilst he recognised he had problems, sought help. Uh, there was a six-month waiting list in that t- for him to get help in that time. Um, and naturally, you think it's there's another there's another element here, which is if you have money, you could pay for private help. But if you if that's not something you can commit to because it's not cheap, yeah. you're stuck in a situation where this he was waiting for six months. Unfortunately, during that time, there's his. Um, mental health deteriorated and he took his own life in dealing with the grief his partner um also sought help and was put on a six-month waiting list and uh, it's like this tragic it gives me goosebumps just recalling it's just this tragic cyclical you, you can see it there for a couple who her life's been devastated his life has tragically been lost and it's affected everyone. She wants help and gets put in exactly the same situation. Um, it just beggars belief. And it does raise that wide, wider question of the awareness is really important because I think especially around stigma and it would be good to get your, your views on that, especially you know in life and in a professional sense. But um, whilst awareness has is helping with that, you can you could say access to services and how people how we can practically make a positive difference has never been more more challenging that said there's some hopefully creative resources and some great charities out there that we can we could talk about as well but um what about your what about your own your own journey and maybe what's what are the things that have helped you or for people that are listening who um, might not know that they they have struggles or um, what could what can people do? How does you, how does your story play out and help? Um, well, I I, I, I in, in in retrospect, having talked to the, the, one of the first times I talked to a doctor in a, in a mental health professional when I got to a point where I got beyond almost trying to ignore it, put my head in the sand, etc., was that my view on on depression was very much what well, you're having a bad day, it's become a bad week, become a bad month, etc. So I was quite ignorant as to the kind of uh the medical side of it almost is, is how I would describe it, I guess. Um and it was that at that point when someone said to me, if you take out uh, depression and say diabetes and you take out uh, your, your antidepressant medication and, and say insulin, your body is, is having a, 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 a chemical imbalance, which is, it's not a bad day, a bad week, a bad month. It is something that is fundamentally imbalanced within your system and needs uh, you know, a, a chemical correction at that point. Of course, that's just one form of medication, um, but yeah, th- that that first point was I was quite ignorant to the realities of what it all meant. So, of course, being knowledge hungry as I am, I then went out and read as much as I could about it to try and build my understanding. Um, 
and that was when I, I kind of first started with with mindfulness and cognitive behavioral therapy I was on a waiting list too as well um, the first time I went through it, it it was it was fairly mild depression and I've had far worse depressive episodes since which I'll, I'll, I'll touch on shortly but to, to your point there um, I catastrophize quite a lot that's one of the key drivers of my depression and anxiety is I will look at something and, and think uh, what's the worst possible scenario that can happen there and that will run like a film reel outside of my control inside my head so I use um, what's called like a court case method where you almost provide the the two sides of the argument to to an impartial version of yourself and and, and you challenge but if that happens does it matter to, to your point around so what well if what if that happened is it realistic and is trying to bring a logical approach to what is that very emotive thought and feeling response to something that's completely outside of your control so i've, I've always kind of had to sit back after the fact because in the moment I, there's, there's no way that i can logically look at something and go actually it, it doesn't matter because my brain's running this film reel mm. of, of mm. horrible horrible outcomes and so i have to um i use an app well I, i'm not using it at the moment because i'm in a good, i'm in quite a good space but when i'm really bad i use an app where which you type the information in. i can't remember the name off the top of my head up but we can put it in a list yeah we can yeah etc and you type in your concern the problem how you're thinking and feeling about it and then after the fact you go back in later in the day and read through it and go does that still bother me in the same way and that's mm. that's again that's just like a something really practical and quick really useful just tap in this is what i'm thinking and feeling this is this is what i'm seeing in my head and then i'm going to put it down leave it alone come back to it later when that emotion isn't as as raw and as powerful and i'm not in that kind of spiral of, of thinking and feeling and it's driving me to to more negative emotions um i've also i also use to say mindfulness and um that's something when i was in empire actually we we had a really good uh network of uh, individuals who were kind of mental health champions and they built a mindfulness room where you could go in for a few minutes and just kind of spend that time you know just recentering yourself uh in a quiet place away from the kind of the hustle and the bustle and, and, and that pressured environment uh, and that's really key just to take that time just to be present and breathe and, and, and kind of recenter yourself, reconnect yourself with, with how you're thinking and feeling. And it only takes a few minutes as well. So you can, mm. I think the biggest thing is the habit of getting out of, I'll just keep going. I'll just do one next thing and actually stopping and, and going, it'll take a few minutes, but everything after that will feel a bit better. So let's stop and do five, 10 minutes of mindfulness uh, and, and benefit after that point so that's just a couple of the things i kind of do to to help me every day i love that and what it's interesting you touched upon something there catastrophizing and um anxiety very loosely defined as being um future-based right so it, you're thinking about potential futures hence the catastrophizing 
Um, there's also a link to kind of, you, that, and this is something to maybe talk about in a sec around, you can have these um, mental health can, illnesses and still be a high performer. And I read, uh, I was lucky enough actually, I've read, we've both read Matthew Saeed's kind of um, bounce, rebel ideas, that kind of stuff, um, black box thinking. I went, I saw him at a talk and as well as being a journalist uh, and uh, an author, in his uh, early days, he was like ranked number two table tennis player for for the UK. And when he was on stage, he talked about his anxiety and his catastrophizing that he was considered a medal hope going to the Olympics. And when he actually got there and went to play and he talked through the catastrophizing. So he said he forgot all of the things that got him there. You know, the, the wins, the, the fact that he was talented, well-practiced, ready, and just went into, what if I lose? What if I lose? What if I don't get a medal? And then that very quickly, in a very quick thought process, went from, I won't just lose and not get a medal in the Olympics. I'll be laughed at. I won't ever rank again in a UK event. I'll probably lose my job. I won't get funding. I won't be able to function properly as an adult. I won't um, have a relationship anymore. And it, it was based on no evidence whatsoever. It was, it was just the fears running through his head um, prior to competing at the, at the Olympics. And, it, and he talked about how it actually affected him. So he didn't do as well as expected because not because of his opponents, not because of um, anything like that, but because of his own debilitating anxiety and catastrophizing. And I think, you know, that's where awareness and um, those kind of things. And he, he, he talks about, and interestingly, there's this, um, I recommend this, there's a Buddhist monk on TikTok who, um, and again, I'll put his name in the, we'll share your resources. I'll put this guy's name in the comments when we post about this on LinkedIn. Um, and he deals with questions. People just pop in questions. And one of them was, do Buddhist monks suffer from anxiety or depression? And he's, you know, and he, he very eloquently talks about, you know, sure. However, one of the things that they, uh, the a pure, one of the main concepts of Buddhism, which is probably why Buddhist monks suffer less than the general population, is because it's about living in the moment. And he says depression is based in the past, a lot of it. Anxiety is based in the future, whereas being a Buddhist, especially a Buddhist monk, is about living in the moment and being happy in the moment and thinking about being happy right now and just staying there and if you of course you have to think about the future and practical plans and I've got to go and do this and and so on and so on but the moment that becomes more than that just to bring yourself back to living in the moment and it's funny the kind of different places that you can pick up you can pick up tips absolutely yeah it's it's and it, it, it is funny you should mention that as well actually because Something that uh, that Helen mentioned to both of us uh, a while ago was around toxic positivity, wasn't it? So, um, 
yeah, I guess that being present and being centered is absolutely a way of, of ensuring that you're aware of the realities of the past and the future, but you're moving through them instead of they're weighing you down. Um, as that toxic positivity piece that, you know, just almost no matter how awful, difficult and, and oppressive something feels or is that you should just be positive about it. Um, and, and that, you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's benefits to being optimistic and, and moving through things. But I think that almost rejecting, um, re rejecting the difficult parts of, of the reality of things is, is, is dangerous in and of itself. You know, it, it's exploring positive emotions as well as negative emotions and exploring your problems as well as your positives is, uh, that feels like balance and, and that's probably where that that zen thing comes in mm. uh as opposed to just kind of yeah head in the sand on it and going i'm just going to look at all this stuff because it's really good and nice and positive and all this stuff is because i i did that previously i would just build mental walls and cages and so on around problems especially emotional ones and then a relationship i had over a decade ago that was a space that it was quite dysfunctional and it came and when it came to its its negative horrible conclusion it smashed down all of those walls and i found myself completely overwhelmed by all of this emotion because it just escaped and it was rampant and my attempt at logically controlling it was was, was woefully inadequate in, in terms of how do i deal with this and so I, I ended up having a, a mental breakdown. Uh, I wasn't committed because my my mum and dad had the capacity to look after me. So I moved back in with my parents after a, many, many years of, of living independently. That was the only reason, as I say, I, I wasn't, um, you know, looked after in, in a secure facility, fundamentally. And it was... Um, you remember the film Dragnet when they come back from from the pagan festival and, and they throw all of those drugs all over the table. That was kind of like my diet at that point in time from waking up was my, my mum was the, the controller of the vast amount of medication that I was taking to kind of get me through the day. And that was that was driven at that point in time by a by a toxic positivity that I didn't have the language, I think, to be able to confront the negative things in a way other than I feel angry, I feel isolated. And, and, he, and that was about the range I had. So when it, as I say, flooded over me, I was, I was ill-equipped to deal with it. And only since then have I kind of built my, my, my own mental health toolkit to be able to, to deal with things, um, which, it's, it's an ongoing thing for me. You know, I, I don't think that it will ever be a time where I go, I'm completely mentally well, but certainly um, there's a positive, I think, in, in understanding that past and the future, but confronting it in a way that, um, I think it was something you said to me yesterday, actually, is, is it's, a, it's a heavy piece of chain mail that you wear, but you, when you, you've got to take it off and look at it and accept it and not let it sit on you and, and just, crush you yeah it's interesting it's, and again it's that whole thing about the positive side of awareness 
movements, weeks, moments, whatever, is that we, I would like to think the vast majority of people now will not kind of go, not cringe a bit or go, oh, how do I, how do I deal with this person if it comes out in conversation that they have a, um, a mental illness in the same way that it, it wouldn't bother me if you said that I've, I've got eczema or, you know, something that you, I'm not equating the two, by the way, but um, I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think of anything yeah. equivalent, but um, it's, I would like to think that that, um, that doesn't happen. I still think there's things, I still think there are things that need to, where awareness weeks and things like that are good because we still need to talk about it. I read a post the other day about someone who had thought about posting something for years and basically said they were high-functioning, high-performing, high-achieving, but had depression and have had it for many, many years. And those kind of things, I think, are great because the more that we can get to a point of acceptance and I'm, I'm... meeting people where they are with everything that they bring with them and that includes mental illness the better we'll all be we'll all be for it um because we we talked about like the other one being it's not just in a professional sense is it we talked about specifically for men you know um that age group that i'm in now um it's suicides the highest is the primary number one cause of death and yeah. what a tragedy, what a tragedy that is. And I think it's that kind of um we're manly men, so we don't we don't we don't talk about it, we don't talk about our troubles. And there's so many good examples out there of people trying to break that down. Interestingly, through clothing lines, a lot of it's stigma. Um the uh, Jordan is has got stigma of clothing brand a brand that is associated with uh, mental health boys get sad too is another one that um around that tagline just starts to to break that thing because if you from childhood if you cry or express your emotions as a as a as a young lad and then going into being a man it it's generally frowned upon or it has been mm-hmm. were you ever told to um, man up or variations of as a, as a child i mean yeah i i was i was i played in team sports from a young age um and it's a very good question actually because I, i've got a good juxtaposition on, on on that that i think might help illustrate the positive and the negative around that when i was when i was seven or eight years of age a uh, very old school rugby coach coached the, 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 the youth team I played in, and we played in a sevens tournament um, where me and one other uh, boy on, on the pitch were the two who were big enough to tackle this other team of huge thoroughbred kids that we were playing. Um, and it, so it was fundamentally two on seven, and it was it's a very short, high-paced game, but by the end of it, I was physically and mentally exhausted. And it was this, it was only the second one in an all-day tournament. The coach's response was very much keep going, man up, push forward, suppress that emotion, and, and get rid of it. And actually, my, my 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 dad at the time, I thought had initially said, um, he wasn't my dad at the time, he was my dad, and at that time, just to clarify that, said, um, 
don't let them cry. And I thought it was in the same vein. He said, because they will, they will see that they've got to you. Um, but he was also hugging me and he was saying, it's okay. It's just a game. Mm. I know it's important to you and I know you're feeling emotional, but you know, it, it's important, you know, it's, it's important that you, you feel through that. And actually it was, I've got those two very different views where the coach was very much a emotion is, is for other people and, and you're, you're a rugby player and you've just got to get on and, and be tough inside and out. And my dad helped me unpack it and explore it in a way that made sense for me at the time as, as a young boy. Um, but sport, I think, is, is a kind of a key place where, where we've seen a lot of positive changes in the last mm. few years. There's a lot more mental health ambassadorship um rugby tennis cricket football you know other sports i follow i'm seeing more and more people step out i think almost of the fear of not you know they don't want to talk about it. to your point there's a lot of people i think they still have that that final step where they almost worry that they're going to be judged if, if they speak up about it. Uh, and I think we're in a place where actually there's more and more people willing to be judged if they're judged and to challenge the perception of the individual who judges and say, no, there shouldn't be a stigma. We need to talk about this. Uh, and, and your point the other day about, um, you know, your man versus fat and the football that you do. And, and it's, it's, it's a great team sport and it helps you mentally, but everything that goes with it, that wraparound camaraderie, esprit de corps type point that that's that's you know that's that's hugely beneficial i think to offer informal places where where men can have uh have those conversations you know, in, in a way I think you're better. right it, what what those sorts of things have shown i think is everything happens in relationships and um so the man versus fat, which is an FA-backed scheme um, for guys who want to get fit, weight loss, but play football, um, I would recommend if you fall into the category of wanting to lose weight and you love football, go and just search man versus fat. And as, an, as a kind of positive side effect of, of doing that, peop, the, the, the team that you're in started talking about... Um, mental health and how that linked to physical health and why some guys had kind of got out of shape and let themselves go and all of those different things. And it's, it's about being in a supportive environment and subsequently, cause that was, you know, over nearly two years ago, but subsequently since then I've moved into a new area and I wanted to play football. So I set up a, I just, found a, a really nice there's a few pitches near where I live spoke to the people up there and kind of press ganged people <laughs> um at various dad's taxi stops and said hey do you like football um and we play we've been playing for a good six months now on a Sunday and it's just refreshing that afterwards having a beer um I'm not conversations I was having, the conversations I heard near me with other guys in the team, where I think as well, the lockdown has kind of opened the door for people to say, how are you doing from a mental point of view? Because 
we're all sharing the experience and it's allowed people that maybe would have been a bit reticent to talk about it mm. to go yeah you know I'm struggling when someone says how's it been going in lockdown and they say I'm struggling I think it's not a massive leap of faith to assume that they're talking about me- mentally because we've all been through it um and I think that would be one of the positives that comes out of this it was just nice to be able to talk about challenges we've had I didn't feel any shame in saying you know six years ago I struggled as a result of my um, marriage breaking down and had counseling and why wouldn't you the most important organ we've got the brain why wouldn't you speak uh, seek the help of professionals around your brain and it shouldn't be a taboo subject we should be talking about it more in schools and talk. And I know that there is a lot of that happening, but um, I didn't feel any shame in talking about um, my challenges from six years ago and what I did then and what I do now and recognising times when I might be reminiscing in a negative way or whatever um, and being open about it. And it was just nice to be amongst people that didn't go, oh, God you know, right, let's get away from him. <laughs> they probably said that about other reasons. I think, yeah, I think we're, I mean, people talk about toxic masculinity. Um, and it's not that I, I, I don't disagree in many aspects around toxic masculinity, but I do think one aspect of it that has changed with the positive is is that capacity to get away from us a, a stick up a lip the, the, the be calm don't show your emotions and so on i do i genuinely think we've, we've come on leaps and bounds in that space and a lot of that is around being able to talk about emotion beyond i'm angry you know, because I think that that was has, has been something that there's been a lot of work and effort put into for men to improve our vocabulary around our emotions, how we're thinking, how we're feeling, uh, and how we represent that. Um, and I think that is, I think that's strength to be able to show your vulnerability and to do that in, I mean, a lot of sport, a lot of male team sport is very alpha male. And, you know, and, and the negative side of that is that, you know, toxic masculinity where the playoff can be sometimes, oh, it's just bounce, it's just lads, lads, lads. But actually there's, there's some there's, there's negative discussion and, and being able to show the strength and kind of go, no, that's not acceptable. And flip side, when we talk about emotion, it's not played down or people want to leave, as you say, it, there's, there's actually that, that space to be able to say, no, let's talk about this. And... Yeah, a huge positive, I think, from, from, from the pandemic is the reality is that people are more open because more people are, are, are living within that shared experience, you know, of, 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 of we feel socially isolated and a lot more of us are having anxious moments as a result. I remember in the first lockdown, getting in the car and going out for some shopping and I honestly felt for a short while that it was a bit like 28 days later or something. There was almost no one out, no cars along a very busy road that I drive in quite a lot. Uh, Thankfully, I, less zombies. 
because thankfully, yeah, there was this noise. <laughs> but um, but putting my mask on and kind of walking into a, mm. the, the, the the supermarket and thinking it's really dead and it's, it's a Saturday and I've hardly seen anyone out. I've hardly seen anyone here. And actually, there was almost that avoidance. Oh, I've, got to, I've got to steer away from other people in the shop because it, it was becoming more and more apparent at that time that we had a view of, oh, we're not sure how serious this is. Maybe it'll come and go quite quickly. And then suddenly, well, we're in this for the long haul and this is, this is serious. Um, it's having a huge impact on society. Whether we agree with the measures or not that were put in place, they were in place. And, and I think that was everyone's almost brain patterns and context at that point in time was coronavirus first, everything else second. It was just absolutely in the forefront of everyone's mind, wasn't it? And, and I think that shared experience is, is you know, not to downplay the, the huge negatives that we've had from this, but it was it is a positive to kind of say more people, I think, are more open and more honest around the realities of, of having lived through the past year and a bit. Definitely. I watched this um, Joe Rogan podcast um, and he said this quote from a guy called the, uh, Henry David Thoreau or something like that um, from what it's, it's way back in time, but it said most men live lives of quiet desperation. And it, obviously that's pretty bleak, right? Um, but what he went on to say, or what Joe Rogan was talking to this psychologist in his uh, podcast about was, especially as men get older, <coughs> into 30s and 40s, especially in 50s, that there is a, and again, you've got to be careful with generalisations, especially around gender, I get that, but there is a... Um, you can say men have less groups that they're part of, less friendship groups that they're part of, spend more time alone and feel society's kind of um, pressures from a responsibility point of view, old-fashioned, but shoulder these kind of, I'm the head of the family or X, Y, Z, and have these kind of this lonely, desperate state. Um, and the psychologist was saying, what breaks that, what breaks that down is, is relationships, is connections, is... Um, so, you know, we've talked about this before. For me, it's football. For you, it's your um, gaming community and, and your friends and that kind of um, getting out and, and meeting up and... Um, that's being prevented through the lockdown. So you wonder how many people have kind of got ever decreasing circles feeling alone, 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 alone. And it leads to this point around that um, from a place of um, goodness, people say, I'm always there for you to talk, to talk to. But that kind of, for me, that kind of puts the onus on someone who is probably least equipped, least inclined to talk to someone about where they're at. It's actually the emphasis is on that person who says, I'm always here to proactively try and make, reestablish that connection. 
and to go past the first I'm fine yeah yeah I'm fine I'm good keep talking are you really though talk you know talk yeah. to me talk to me talk to me talk keep going past the the first I'm fine um, but I just found it fascinating that from the 1800s that it's still there's still been this even then there was this kind of recognition that for men it can be different and that's borne out in statistics now and we still have we still have some work to do I mean I know personally I've massively benefited from the groups that I'm in and through talking to you and just talking to Helen and having the types of relationships where it's okay to have those kind of conversations and you know we use this we don't so much anymore but we used to use a scale didn't we which is very simply it's a shared language and shared code where we would say you can say on one to ten ten being i'm living my best life i've never felt so good one obviously the, the opposite but we would start every meeting with where are we at on a scale of one to ten and it just means the others can amend accordingly and um, do you want to talk about it? Don't you recognise where you're at on that on that scale? And that came about from a kind of being as part of a part of a group. Absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, I guess a couple of points to, today. Yeah, I've, I've been quite lucky in that um, my my escapism is, is as you say is, is gaming so I, I do a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and we've been able to shift that quite successfully to an online space and one of the things that came out of that was was what we call the virtual pub um, where actually if we, if we didn't want to um, do something specific it was just let's just log on and talk and have a few drinks in the, in the process because you know I'm a, I'm a fan of alcohol and um you love your beers. Absolutely. <laughs> so it was, it was that, that again as well was, yeah, that open and honest space where most of the conversation was whatever. Um, but it gave us that opportunity to check in. Uh, and as you say, ask twice was, 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 I think, quite a good positive campaign. And so it was like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but are you okay? Was, was, and, and that would help, I think, everyone to kind of, unpack some of what we were going through at that time in a way that felt very non-judgmental you know again back to the shared experience we're all here to have a chat but we all know that we need it as well it's it's there is there is value to that beyond just reconnection that value is actually human contact virtual though it is goes a long way to reducing that that isolation and that being trapped inside your own head at times. And, uh, and, and and your other point, I think, as well, really good around people who are really equipped because of where they are mentally to be able to respond. Absolutely. We've got to, there's always a fine balance between uh, going most of the way to someone to get them to talk and then what you do with that in that space because trying to fix someone have you tried to go to the doctors? Have you tried tablets? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? Then can very easily feel very judgmental. So it's 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 very important, I think, that you go most of the way to help that individual and you ask that question, but you follow it up. But then give them the space, of course, to be able to unpack everything that they're going through. Good um, point. 
and and if if they go, I'm doing this and this and this, fantastic. But if 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 it's I'm in this space and I see no way out of it, it's you know just just talk to me, share share the problem. <laughs> And we, we've got a load of stuff to share as well, haven't we, in terms of Samaritan's Mind, et cetera, uh, which we can we can uh, link to your post when you, when you share it through social media about different ways of answering that. And one of the ones I, 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 I thought was really good that, again, you, you highlighted was, was shout. Mm. You know, and, and just having a different, different channel to be able to discuss and share you know, because mm. a lot of people, I think, are, are very reticent around voicing it. Yeah. But being able to to type it out in a in a text message is is maybe you can consider what you want to say. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking, and 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 put it together in that way. But and it, it also, it's I think it's a smaller step instead of being able stealing yourself if you're in a bad place to talk and have that conversation versus. I'm, just, I'm going to text this number because I, I need to do something. It, it's that, that smaller step. It's it's, mm. it's easier in many ways, I think. So it's it's re- I think having that opportunity to to do that is is key as well. So I think there's uh, you made such a good point earlier around not wanting to solutionize, and I think if we're operators, especially in our industry as well, we want to we we see ourselves as problem solvers, and we're in operations, and we want to solve things. Um, we, we apply the same rationale to uh, hearing people when they're saying, I know I've had to learn it or bite my tongue and understand that actually there's a great Bren Brown um, YouTube animation about the difference between empathy and sympathy. And a lot of the time people, before you start, like you say, start going into do this, do this, do this, is just listen, let it land let people get let people share it and live in that live in that kind of space for a bit rather than going yeah okay heard this before do this you know because it kind of negates where that person's um coming from so absolutely yeah really 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 good point yeah we could probably talk about this for for (laughs) a lot longer days Yeah, this, but again, this has been, you know, we've, we have these, we have these quite regularly, don't we? And I, I benefit from it. Um, and again, it's, a, it's that thing about having, having healthy enough relationships that you can. Absolutely. Yeah. But bringing, bringing back to business, yes, it's fantastic that uh, as, as, as my manager and friend, I, I have trust that I can, I can turn to you and say, I'm having a bad day. I am struggling with task output. I'm maybe just going to take some time because in turn, I feel trusted that you understand that you're going to get a better version of me when I'm in a different, more positive space that work will get done. Uh, and then, you know, that watching a nine to five presenteeism and perspective is, is, is not a positive, especially with people you know, at home um and 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 being able to just have those small moments you know even if it is setting up a meeting in your calendar uh but it's not task oriented you're not after an outcome you're just there to talk 
Mm. That's 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 mm. a fun, yeah. That's that's a really good space to be able to kind of say, um, this is our version of a water cooler moment kind of thing because we all miss that, don't we? Um, yeah. But one thing I did see in terms of a stat is actually um, I read a report where fifty eight percent of of people think going back to the office will help repair their mental health because. Which I was quite surprised at how high yeah. that was because I yeah. had a lot of positives around I can self-manage my time, I can do this, I can do that whilst I'm at home. But going back to the office to be able to go into those routines, I, I think a, a, a huge part of it is those quick chats, stopping stop yeah. at the desk or yeah. sharing a coffee or whatever it might be. You know, so, yeah, I, I think it's... Having, having a hug. Yeah. I'm a hugger. <laughs> absolutely yeah but yeah well, again from a business perspective uh, this same report 80 percent of of office employees are having health and, and mental health and well-being worries yeah so that's even higher than the, the the usual one in four mental health stat right that's that's most everyone is is is, is struggling in, in in where we are now so mm. it's yeah more important than ever to to, to so we we will share resources when we um, when we post, and then you know, for me it would just be you know the people around you, you know that some that might not have um, as many connections or their support circles might not be as good as you want. Um, make sure you do you proactively contact them. Go past that first response absolutely um peter any other any other final words of wisdom we could talk about it for ages but we have got, I've got another meeting <laughs> won't be as interesting as this i know yeah uh no i, I think you've, i think you've covered it well there it's get past that first yeah i'm all right mate and dig if and if you think, I'm not sure I want to unpack this because I know they're, they're, they're struggling. Um, it's, not, it's not true altruism, I think. To, you know, it, it's, it's good to help others, but it will help you as well. Because yeah. if you recognize some of the same things in that person as you're feeling yourself, it will, it will help you to, to understand mm -hmm. and challenge yourself on, on how you respond to it. So it's it's not entirely selfless to have those conversations. Everyone benefits. And even if you take nothing away than, other than I've helped a friend today, yeah. that is more than enough, I think. Peter, thank you very much. No we will, let's talk the next time around um, this kind of, I like that presenteeism, that nine to five, I think this, let's talk about that. And, um, but thank you very much for coming on again. And um, have a lovely day, my friend. Absolutely. You too. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. <laughs>